Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And uh, we welcome back another guest who, who's been on the, the show probably about four times now, I think. This might be the fifth time. So um, it's Andrew Swat, who's the global mining and metals leader at Deloitte. Um, and he's going to be talking about a few um, a few reports that they've re- uh, released recently. Uh, one of them is building climate capability for, for resilient mining sector. Um, how leaders can prepare for tomorrow's challenges. Um, and another article um, is the net zero workforce, mining and metals and the future of work in mining. Um, what will jobs look like in, in an intelligent mining operation? So that's that's uh, move on with this. And that's welcome, Andrew, to the podcast. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, Rob. And thank you for having me, having me back. Always uh, yeah. glad to be on this podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. And uh, I know um, our audience um, like a lot of the articles that you've um, that you've come on and spoke about, um, and obviously have downloaded those those um, when when the podcast has gone out. So um, those that haven't heard um, haven't listened to the podcast before, just wanted to give us a quick 10, 20 second um, overview of yourself um, before we go into uh, the the two articles. Sure. So, uh, Andrew Swart, I lead Deloitte's Global Mining and Metals Practice. I'm based here in Toronto, Canada. Um, practice globally of around three and a half thousand people that I uh, that I lead, and um, covering a full sort of spectrum of uh, of services. Um, I've been in the mining industry a long time, probably going on twenty five years now. So, yeah. So the first uh, report that we're going to speak about is building climate capability for a resilient mining sector, how leaders can prepare for tomorrow's challenges. Just want to just give us a a quick overview of of the uh, um, report, and then I've got some questions to ask you around it. Sure, Rob. So look, I mean, um, obviously, the whole topic of climate change decarbonization is uh, probably one of the number one issues uh, across the mining industry today. You go into any boardroom or any CEO office like this topic invariably comes up. And I think, you know, the genesis of this report is so many of the clients around the world that we interact with are, are obviously at various stages of their decarbonization journey, right? They've either at the one end, uh, begun to make uh, commitments um, over a 2030, 2040 type, type time period. Um, and, uh, and in some cases, while they've set the targets, they have no idea how they're actually going to get there. The other end of the spectrum, you do have a lot of mining companies, particularly a lot of the super majors, um, are kind of well down this path. They've set those commitments. They've started to develop those roadmaps at, at an asset level and, and are driving towards that. But what this report really tries to do is it steps back from, I think, some of these um, immediate issues that mining companies are looking at and really asks a longer term question about, okay, well, what capabilities 
should a company be building to drive climate resilience within an organization? And so what do we what do we mean by climate resilience? Um, I think that there are a, a myriad of dimensions or different capabilities that organizations need to build uh, within them within themselves. You know, one is is how do you deal with the immediate risks that are going to face your infrastructure, whether or not it's in the next kind of 5, 10, 15, 20 odd years? Um, anything from droughts to flooding to, you know, various sort of outages and, and infrastructure type disruption caused by climate change. Um, you know, there's another version of this, which is you will also expect to see the industry value chain change in some interesting ways going forward. I mean, a lot of the traditional areas of the value chain are blurring kind of going forward. And how do companies begin to think about that in terms of the kinds of people that they're actually hiring, the kinds of capabilities that they're building, the kind of organization that they're trying to drive? Um, because this broader topic of climate change is obviously being rooted in ESG type pressures. And it's something which drives across the whole organization, whether or not you're in finance or whether or not you're in operations or comms or IR, et cetera. Um, and so the report sort of looks at a myriad of these kind of different capabilities that organizations need to be building in order to strengthen what we sort of call climate change resilience. Yeah. Um, so how prepared are mining companies for disruptive events in the future? Um, obviously, such as severe weather events we've seen um, induced by climate change? So, um, so, Rob, again, like everything in the industry, there there is a wide spectrum, right, um, of, I think, sort of responses and kind of readiness to this. And, you know, even in this day and age, what you will encounter is, uh, is some mining companies who might have a lot of people in their management teams who are climate skeptics, right? In which case, I think the answer is, nothing like, you know, and and so there's very little thought being done to that. I think at the other end of the spectrum, you know, you do have companies who are taking these kind of commitments very seriously and um, and preparing their particular organizations. But what I would say is the pool of companies who are actively thinking about climate change risks and risk to infrastructure, um, I think is relatively small. Um, and I, I do think that it is a uh, it's one of these things where often trying to drive the causal links between climate change and what you're seeing in your day to day operations or in your immediate um, you know, term or your, your immediate environment. Often it's hard to draw those direct kind of causal links. Um, but I do think that the frequency of those kind of events is going to increase kind of over time. And I also think that there are a lot of companies that today are just focused in on the immediate pressure of, I need a climate change roadmap, that they haven't necessarily stepped back and thought about broader organizational implications, broader capabilities that you need to build, whether or not it's in finance or HR or, or, or myriad of, of sort of other areas. And so I think this is this particular report is a bit of a challenge um, to the industry. And I think affords the industry the opportunity to step back from some of their sort of immediate pressures and say, okay, well, let me think about the evolution of this in a kind of a five, 10 year type timeframe. Um, and how should I be thinking about this? Yeah. Um, how has the global pandemic impacted the mining companies and their sort of ESG efforts? So a really interesting question. Uh, and it's it's interesting because if I go back to the start of the pandemic, 
Um, we were tracking some overarching, uh, call it mega themes within the industry. And, uh, and we were sort of asking ourselves the question as to, well, how might this actually play out kind of over time? And so there were certain things like digitization, where we said, look, industries already started to move around digitization. We're now in an environment where people for at that stage, when we were sitting in like June of last year, well, certainly going to be spending the next couple of months in some form of work from home environment. Yeah, we're likely to see a, an acceleration of digitization. Similarly, I think we saw the probably the rise of, um, of Asia, and I think China in particular, as being probably another big kind of a mega trend linked to kind of geopolitics. We saw the sort of the whole concept of, um, uh, of government and community relations as probably being another sort of a big overarching trend that is likely to shape the industry and is likely to accelerate. Um, you know, in particular, I think that um, the a lot of governments around the world are likely to be coming out of this with a lot more debt and therefore probably looking at mining companies, commodity cycles as being easy targets to change tax regimes and things like that. That certainly played out. But when it came to climate change and the decarbonization agenda, I would say that there was a lot of debate around that. And we could argue it kind of both ways. On the one hand, um, you could argue that gee, coming out of this particular pandemic cycle, uh, there is a risk as a to a broader shock in the economy. And therefore, do governments and regions around the world actually think about prioritizing the economy over necessarily the area of sort of decarbonization and kind of climate change? That could be a possible outcome. Um, or do you actually see an acceleration of this? And so clearly, I think if we step back over the 18 months, I think we've seen an acceleration towards decarbonization. We've not seen a slowing down uh, around that. And I think what has driven that is probably a number of different things. I think if you look at cities around the world, and certainly the city that I live in, which is Toronto, um, we've seen just a massive expansion of you know, bicycle lanes, as an example. So I think there's been a, this greater climate consciousness that has sort of pervaded society um, through this. And, um, and I think it has also just been a time where people have really sort of thought about the broader impact on, on the environment, sustainability type issues. And so the pressure of decarbonization has actually increased through this. So, you know, I come back to, well, how have, I think, mining companies been affected by decarbonization? I think if, if anything, the pressure has been turned up by investors and society overall. And I do think that is, pass, that is part of a, you know, a mega trend that we are likely to see continue um, uh, over the next sort of couple of years as, as companies move down this roadmap. Sorry, that was a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, what's the most daunting challenge for mining companies as they try and meet their decarbonisation and ESG goals uh, go, sort of moving forward? So I'd say in, in my view, Rob, um, as you look at companies when they craft their particular roadmaps, I think initially there is a, there's a lot of, uh, they really like to use the, <laughs> the the term, but a lot of low hanging fruit, you know, that's kind of out there, right? So um, projects that just make a lot of economic sense, um, given where the price of renewables are and where um, you know 
let's say, lower carbon fuel sources are relative to some of the traditional sources that mining companies have used. So, um, and I think for that sort of bundle of projects, these are NPV positive projects that meet various ROI type targets. But I think where the challenge comes in is, and some companies might be facing it today, if not, they'll face it in the next couple of years, is that as you move down this roadmap, to actually meet those commitments in the 2030 or 2040 time, time frame may actually cause you to look at particular projects that are not necessarily economically viable just on the face of it, right? But projects that you may have to do because of the commitments that, that you've made. Um, and so companies are going to face challenges like, well, I've just invested in a, you know, a new haul truck fleet that's operating on... Um, on diesel, as an example, um, it may not really be worth my while to go and change that out. Like it just may not make economic sense. So how do I deal with those kinds of issues, right? I have a mine life that has got the next kind of five to 10 years to run. I just can't make the economics clear for some of these particular renewable or various other sustainability projects that I need to kind of put in place. And so how do I deal with that? And so I think that's going to be the challenge sort of going forward is how do you balance these commitments with the viability of, uh, of some of these projects when you've got beyond the kind of the low-hanging fruit? Yeah. Um, what role is technology playing in meeting ESG goals? Um, and obviously, for example, AI. Yeah. So um, I think broadly, te technology is obviously critical because there are a... Um, a whole range of different technologies that are, you know, being being created by different OEMs and different organizations around the world, um, which are looking to address uh, companies lowering their particular carbon footprint. And so whether or not that is, you know, more efficient automation or looking at um, utilizing of, of battery electric vehicles in um, you know, underground or, or surface operations or et cetera, you know, the list, list is kind of quite extensive. And so I think the, the technology angle of this is, is really important. I think in answer to your question from an AI, you know, artificial intelligence analytics perspective, um, I, I, I'd say some of the big opportunities there is really to create data transparency around where some of the big energy sinks are within, uh, within a mine, um, looking at ways to optimize broader systems for energy efficiency, you know, would be kind of another key area. Um, being able to put data in the hands of operators who can make certain decisions with an energy lens, um, you know, on that. So I think that's kind of where AI, artificial intelligence, analytics, that sort of broad bucket, um, actually, I think, plays a very important role. Yeah. Um, last question before we go into the next article. Um, what opportunities does the transition to cleaner energy hold for, for, for mining companies? So, um, you know, I think one of the things I would separate out here is the, there is, there's certainly an expectation right now that mining companies are undertaking these kinds of programs. And, and so just to stay in the game, to be attractive to broader investors 
means that you you have to be doing these things and you need to show um, progress against that. You know, otherwise you're just going to be excluded from investment consideration, right? Um, and so that's a, become a bit of a table stakes issue. Um, I I think in terms of opportunities, though. Um, I think there are a range of opportunities. One would be in terms of the kinds of commodities that you're in, right? If you're fortunate enough to be in a set of commodities which are critical to the green energy sort of transition, um, then how do you position your organization around that? Um, I think along with that, we're going to we're going to see a continued blurring of value chains. So who your customers are and who your suppliers are, are going to be way more important going forward than they have been in the past. And so I think that allows companies to explore new alliances, um, new joint ventures. Um, I also think that you will see some companies experimenting with new business models because they want to play a more active role in the energy transition and you know the green uh, the green energy space. So and we're already seeing some of those sort of, you know, pop up in uh, in different parts of the world. Um, so I think there are those kinds of opportunities where I think mining companies need to probably think beyond just their traditional value chain and whether or not it's new alliances, new business models, you know, new opportunity spaces that you want to get into, different portfolio of minerals. I think those are the, the kind of the opportunity areas that come to mind for me. Let's go on to the, the next uh, next article, which is the net zero workforce mining and metals and the, the future of work in mining um, and what will jobs look like in intelligent mining operations. So just wanted to give us a quick snapshot of, um, of that particular article. Yeah, so this particular article, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit different to our, our other articles that, uh, that we've sort of published. Um, in the sense that <clears throat> what we've tried to do is sort of look into the future and say, what are some of the kinds of jobs which are likely to appear over the next sort of couple of years, given this broader digitization and innovation trend, right? So if you, if you envisage a world where a substantial portion of the operations have been automated, where companies are relying on big data in order to make decisions where they have um, actively tried to break down silos within the organization and drive to you know more of a uh, more of an integrated operations type environment um, you know if you look at um, where companies are utilizing data to create more transparency so, so they can do system optimization, you know, versus trying to optimize just a sort of a single type asset. Um, or by the same token, a broader, this broader trend towards decarbonization um, and sort of climate change, where companies are now actively or will actively be thinking about energy usage as an optimization variable and not just kind of production. So, so you put all of that together and you say, wow, well, the world could actually look quite different within an organization, you know, five to 10 years uh, down the line. And, and so this report is the second edition of, of a sort of a similar type, type theme where what we've done is we've effectively looked at, um, at some of the, uh, the roles and the jobs that might actually emerge over, over time. And, you know, what, what are those roles actually going to look like? And, um, uh, we've tried to actually sort of create like a little, what you might call a um, little vignette 
of what those profiles might be. This time last year, we had identified sort of five of those. We've now built on and, and added kind of another five uh, sort of going forward. So that's sort of the a little bit of the background uh, background to the report. Yeah. Um, how does how much does talent factor into uh, mining companies achieving their ESG goals? Um, so a lot, um, Rob. And so I think like there's the quick answer here, which is around um, uh, just the whole drive towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. We all know that the mining industry is way behind the rest of or many other industries in this regard. And whether or not you're looking at um, you know women in the workforce, or you're looking at do this through a broader uh, diversity, equity, inclusion lens. You know, mining is is far behind. I think it it struggles to attract talent into the workforce. Um, and and so along those lines, when you kind of look at ESG, yes, there's a sort of a diversity, equity, and inclusion component to that. But also, I think in order to meet climate change goals going forward. Um, you need to um, you need to be thinking about different kinds of workforce and different kinds of talent models um, uh, uh, in order to uh, in order to meet those particular goals. So you're looking at anything from you know maybe different technical skills, different views of what the value chain might look like, different ways to actually sort of think about finance. And it actually some of these themes are also touched on in the first report that we. Uh, that we sort of spoke about, which is some of the capabilities that companies are, are actually going to have to um, uh, have to actually systematically build within their organisations. And I suppose moving on from that question, what challenges are mining companies encountering when it comes to attracting attracting talent? Um, so. Sorry, Rob, could you just repeat the question again for me? Yeah, certainly. Um, I, uh, moving on from that previous question, what are the challenges that mining companies are encountering uh, when it comes to attracting talent? Obviously, you mentioned diversity in the workplace. You mentioned um, males and females. Um, obviously, there's lack of females in the industry. Um, there are obviously a few major challenges that companies are facing. Ooh, and I suppose what what... What can mining companies do to maybe attract females into the industry? So I think in terms of how do you attract a broader, diverse workforce into the industry, it's a multi-layered problem. I mean, I think one is you've got to be able to create an environment that is inclusive. Um, and even in this you know, day and age, um, there are a lot of women that struggle on mine sites, um, you know, whether or not that is in areas of harassment or you know, areas like just not having, you know, the right fitting PPE or sort of, you know, um, the right washrooms and, and those kinds of things, right? So I mean, there is a sort of a, a spectrum of those, those sort of areas. Um, I think... That's probably one of the key challenges. I also think that it's about creating role models within those particular companies, which really starts at the top around having diverse boards, diverse management teams, and cascading that you know right through throughout the organization. Um, I you know I, I also think that um, you know the other sort of challenges are just as you look in at 
different sort of local communities um, being able to go into those communities and articulate a strong value proposition as to as to why mining. I mean, even if you put the gender issue aside kind of right now, I mean, there are a lot of young people who are choosing their careers and don't necessarily think about mining as a, as a sort of a career option. Um, it is, you know, not necessarily, it hasn't been seen traditionally as a, you know, uh, as a high-tech sort of sexy type industry that you kind of want to go into, um, you know, which is at the cutting edge of technology and uh, and all the rest. It's often seen as a dirty industry that's, you know, behind the times when it comes to areas like climate change, et cetera. And so I think there's a broader value proposition that the industry needs to articulate. Um, now, I mean, I think that there are a lot of mining companies who are doing great things and are going to be pivotal to driving this broader energy sort of transition. But those are the stories, that's the narrative that we should be telling to people who are looking to kind of come into the industry or considering different choices or putting this on their radar screen. Um, what steps can sort of mining companies take to attract the talent needed to achieve intelligent mining as well as meeting ESG goals? I think often it goes back to even back at the sort of the uh, sort of the university type stage. I mean, I, I look at some curriculums um, that are sort of being taught at some universities, and um, you know, you don't often see some of the cutting edge technology issues that we know that mining firms today are actively working on. Right? I mean, a lot of those curriculums are. Um, are featuring technology that's you know, several decades old. And so I think there's something about, you know, how do you, how do you sort of raise the game just from a pure sort of a curriculum perspective um, in, in order to already begin building that talent? Um, I also think that companies probably need to look at non-traditional talent pools. Um, you know, not just going back to the same talent pools that they've traditionally gone into, but as you see the merging or the, the blurring of particular value chains, you know, actively targeting people who are in oil and gas or people who are in chemicals or manufacturing, et cetera, because you know, those are the kinds of skills that I think need to come into, into the mining um, you know, in, industry as well. I think there's an opportunity as well in terms of this drive towards the future of work um, and getting people to work remotely is, is how do you tap into those talent, talent pools which you can you know, leverage in remote situations where people don't necessarily have to be living full-time at a mine site but could be living in a major metropolitan area. And so I think it's kind of being creative across a whole range of different areas from telling a better story, looking at different talent pools, thinking about how you leverage remote work. And I think those are the kinds of things that we need to be doing to pull more people into the industry. And uh, lastly, how do you expect the energy transition to impact talent uh, needs in mining? Yeah, so, uh, you know, th this, this goes back to... Um, some of the even back to the sort of the first reporters as well. So I I think you are going to be looking at a at a range of different um first of all different organizations to to manage this particular transition. So the one interesting thing for me about ESG is it's not just it's not just the evolution of sustainability. 
Um, it is a concept which goes way beyond. Um, it stretches from finance through tax, through comms, through HR, through operations, um, et cetera. And so, you know, it's something which actually needs to be embedded right across the organization, which isn't managed just by a single function, right? So I think there's a challenge around the kinds of operating models that you begin to adopt um, to be able to drive what I believe is a broader transformation within the industry. I think secondly, in terms of sort of capabilities is you are looking for people who are going forward going to need to be more focused on systems versus sort of single point solutions or single assets. Um, I think you um, are looking for people who are also going to need to be far more aware of the, the impact that um, that energy has within the operations and um, and how to optimize for that. I think you need to have people who actually bring more of those sort of um, rich energy experiences and whether or not this is around alternative fuels or you know a myriad of um, uh, of different sort of energy sources that you could tap into, different technologies that you could kind of go after. I mean, this is not a once-off, one, you know, once-off event that lasts for the next year. This is a journey that companies are going to be on for, you know, the next decade. And so I think you need those kinds of skills, those engineering skills, um, to be brought into the organization. I also think, as I mentioned before, you're going to see new partnerships and alliances being struck. And I think those become really important skills. Um, I think some of the risk issues we spoke about earlier, um, again, those will be important in terms of bringing that risk lens towards operations and the vulnerability of, of particular infrastructure and assets. And so I think there are a lot of like sort of new capabilities that need to be built within the organization and that need to be embedded. Um, and so um, that's, I think, really what we've tried to do in both of these articles is just try and surface some of those issues. Yeah. And we really appreciate your time uh, in um, explaining those two articles that you've uh, recently released. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions or um, how can they go about down downloading both of those articles? Sure. So they just need to go to our uh, our global website and you know search for mining, and you'll see the uh, the collection of of those articles. And uh, I think when we release the podcast, we'll put the link into the uh, into the actual uh, um, I guess notification as well, and people can go there and download it. Yes, yeah, certainly. We, we'll add those into the uh, notes accompanying this podcast, so they can download um, each report and um, have a read through. Because um, obviously, it's certainly interesting and. And also, it's going to be pre prevalent coming into the industry moving forward. A lot of these subtopics that you've spoken about, um, and it's going to be, it's going to affect everyone in the mining industry. So, um, really appreciate your time again. Those that are listening, um, hope you got a lot of value from that. Um, please download the uh, articles, um, and if you've got any questions, obviously you can reach out, reach out to either of us too, um, and. If you could also um, please share this episode to other people within the industry, um, because it, it, it's obviously some of these topics will affect everyone in the industry. So um, really appreciate your time for listening. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.